0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
1: It is Thursday. Glad you're with us on the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today. We're sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today. ExpressVPN.com. Slash martini. Much more on that in just a bit. Jim, let's start with our good martini, which unfortunately is premised in a really horrible martini. And that's the fact that China has essentially crushed freedom in Hong Kong, uh, life in prison, uh, other major penalties for even the slightest different uh, criticisms of the Chinese government. They're now going after the books of school children. I mean, it's, it's ugly, it's quick, and the world has been far too silent on this, although, of course, other things have been going on. But Australia has been perhaps the first to do something meaningful here. And while it sounds bad, it's actually what the freedom fighters in Hong Kong have been asking other countries to do. This is from the Sydney Morning Herald. China has reacted furiously to Australia's plans to recruit entire companies from Hong Kong and offer up to 10,000 students and worker visas in a significant escalation in bilateral tensions. The decision follows rising global concern about new national security laws in the former British colony, which has seen dissent, pro-independent sentiment and attempts to undermine the Chinese state criminalized with sentences of up to life in prison. Uh, The Chinese embassy is condemning the decision of the Australians, which also includes a suspension of the extradition treaty with Hong Kong. And it's also letting Hong Kongers in Australia extend their visas. So they're clearly on the side of the freedom fighters here, Jim. Um, I, I fear it may be too late to help Hong Kong in a lot of ways, but given the options that are
0: left, good on Australia and hopefully others follow suit. Indeed, Greg. And, you know, for Americans who haven't been able to hear as much, obviously, to some American news media uh, institutions, this just isn't that big a story, just isn't as interesting as uh, the latest, you know, controversies in Washington or something like that. To put it in perspective that uh, the Acela Corridor folks can understand, what China is doing in Hong Kong is kind of like what Ezra Klein is doing to Matt Iglesias at Vox. (laughs) Uh, not allowing him to say what he wants, suppressing his speech, restricting how he can express himself. Uh, but even even more harsh, just for perspective, to get that there. Um, for those who found that that joke too inside baseball, I apologize. Um, but yeah, this is really bad. And we in the West have a limited amount of tools in our toolbox to influence China. This is what happens when someone becomes the second most powerful economy in the world, um, and that has not had nearly enough consequences for their role in. Uh, the spread of the pandemic and their lack of honesty in those critical early days. Um, apparent, I, my suspicion is we would not be seeing this in China if it not for the pandemic. They suspect, probably with good reason, that the rest of the world has its hands full with other problems and cannot galvanize and motivate and stir itself the way it ordinarily would during you know normal times. Um, The extradition agreement makes sense. Look, we just don't trust Chinese law enforcement the way we trusted Hong Kong law enforcement. We don't know whether these are genuine crimes or whether these are trumped up charges to go after someone who's being critical of the regime. Uh, Extending temporary visas for Hong Kongers makes a lot of sense. I saw the UK was contemplating uh, giving British citizenship to everybody in Hong Kong who had uh, uh, any tie to the country. I think it's something we probably should contemplate. Now, my colleague Michael Brennan-Doherty made the very valid point that if by doing so, we are probably helping everyone who is the most um, ardent lovers of liberty, the people who are most likely to push for reforms, the people who are objecting most strongly to what, uh, to China's takeover and the way China wants to rule Hong Kong from here on out. Um, we, are bas- we would basically be draining Hong Kong of all the people who'd be most likely to stand up for their rights. On the other hand, these are the people who are most likely to get harmed by a you know newly strengthened depressive regime. So, um, but anyway, it's one of those things. Where, the other thing which probably keep in note is the more Western powers do this, the more we allow people to leave who want to leave. The more we tell our people not to head out there. They also said that they are going to give advice to citizens about traveling to Hong Kong, saying that look, the way this new interpret this new security law is being interpreted. If you're Australian, uh, you may get detained on vaguely defined national security grounds and you may get sent to China uh, for Chinese justice, not for the justice people have been used to seeing in Hong Kong. Um, We could basically, very quickly, as China makes these moves in Hong Kong, Hong Kong will cease being what Hong Kong was. And as we all know, Hong Kong was exceptionally prosperous. It was a place of innovation. It was a place of uh, freedom compared to mainland China. And that freedom not only came in freedom of political expression but it also came in the form of freedom to innovate freedom to experiment freedom to try new ideas this is one of the things that made hong kong so prosperous so you know in hong kong china may be getting another mainland china city and they're going to get the same kind of mainland china economic effects there so um this may be but this is a way of exacerbating the cost to china Glad to see Australia doing it. Glad to see other Western countries doing it. And I hope our country continues to go down a similar path.
1: Jim, I'm not a frequent consumer of the Sydney Morning Herald, but their second paragraph talking about the new national security laws in Hong Kong, which has seen dissent pro-independent sentiment and attempts to undermine the Chinese state criminalized with sentences of up to life in prison. I feel like if it was The New York Times, that'd be like paragraph 27. Uh, and they <laughs> somehow find a way to make, you know, Trump the bad guy. You know, Trump's not even mentioned in the in the story, as far as I can tell. Amazing.
0: As uh, as our old friend, Exurban John, I think it was said that, you know, the, or maybe it was Iohawk. I think it was Iohawk who said, you know, the job of modern journalism is to cover important stories with a pillow, until they stop moving.
1: <laughs> that's exactly right. Unfortunately, that's the way they look at it. But uh, speaking of expressing yourself freely, which is no longer an option in Hong Kong, uh, you still have that option for now, but it doesn't mean you want everybody knowing about what you're looking at online. I mean, what if you wanted to look up uh the alt-right or uh, some other nefarious group, uh, Louis Farrakhan. All of a sudden, everybody thinks you're fans of these people because your internet service provider uh, all of a sudden knows all this stuff. And who knows what could be used to to hurt you? And I know what you're probably thinking. Why don't you just use Incognito mode, let me tell you something. Incognito mode doesn't actually hide your activity. It doesn't matter what modes you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why even when you're at home, you should never go online without using ExpressVPN. You
0: know, something a lot of people don't know, it doesn't matter if you get your internet from Verizon or Comcast or any other local internet service provider. Your internet service provider can legally sell your information to ad companies. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites that you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. You know, most of the time, users of ExpressVPN don't even realize they have it on. It runs seamlessly in the background and is extremely easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you are protected. express ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you to not be using it. I wonder if the Chinese government can detect whether you've got
1: ExpressVPN because if they can't see where you're online in Hong Kong, uh, that could be a big advantage for you. But you can protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit our exclusive link, expressvpn.com martini, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash martini expressvpn.com slash martini to learn more. All right, Jim, um, it keeps getting shoved to the back burner, which is odd in a year divisible by four, but it's a presidential election year. And we know that President Trump is going to be up against Joe Biden in this campaign. And as of right now, everybody is expecting at least one and probably multiple presidential debates. Historically, over the last few cycles, there have been three presidential debates. But uh, some folks are wondering whether there's going to be an excuse related to coronavirus or something else to either limit or perhaps scrap the debates altogether. And New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman has given the first indication that there may be a movement afoot here. He wrote yesterday in The New York Times that Joe Biden should not agree to debate President Trump unless two conditions are agreed upon. He says that the conditions should be that Trump must release his tax returns from 2016 to 2018, and given Thursday's Supreme Court decision, that might actually happen, and that both campaigns should agree on having a real-time fact-checking team hired by the nonpartisan commission on presidential debates. Friedman suggested, quote, 10 minutes before the scheduled conclusion of the debate, this team re- would report on any misleading statements, phony numbers, or outright lies that either candidate has uttered. That way, no one in that massive television audience can go away easily misled. He says debates have always had ground rules. Why not these? He also says uh, Biden has the high ground here. He should not go into such a high stakes moment ceding any advantages to Trump. Trump is badly trailing in the polls, he says, and needs these debates much more than Biden does. So, uh, Jim, we know how nonpartisan the nonpartisan fact checkers are. So I'm sure this would uh, be completely acceptable to everyone.
0: Yeah. So, you know, first of all, on the coronavirus thing, we saw Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders hold a debate six feet apart from each other. No traditional handshake um, right before the pandemic, I guess, probably back in March, right as the pandemic was really getting serious Um, so there's really no reason this can't happen. Um, you know, there's no real good argument of, oh, the pandemic is so bad. We can, you know, there's, you can have minimal people in the studio. You don't need an audience. It may not look like previous presidential debates, but there's really no reason for that to be a reason to not have them. Um, Almost every year, particularly the presidential level, but you see this in gubernatorial races and Senate races and House races and other you know races like that. Um, there's usually a bunch of kabuki theater around the uh, preparations for the debate, there's a lot of every little detail has to be negotiated. Are they standing at podiums? Are they sitting at a table? Who are the moderators? How long does it wait? Do they have commercial breaks? Do they get to have a water glass? Do they get to take, you know, have a pen and paper to take notes? All these things get hashed out by the campaigns. And usually, like, the most petty little uh, details can turn into these sorts of things. But all you know, 99% of the time, this really, this is posturing Every campaign wants to say we're willing to have debates, but they're ducking them because they're scared, you know. So they like to put something on the table that they know the other side's going to object to. When the other side objects, they say, look at them. They're scared. They're looking for any excuse to not debate, et cetera, et cetera. I had kind of figured we would get something similar to this. You know, there are a lot of people who thought, oh, there's no way Donald Trump's going to get on the, debate on the same stage as with uh, Hillary Clinton, particularly after the, the, the uh, Access Hollywood tape came out it, most of the time these debates actually happen. Tom Friedman writing this is the first kind of, you know, there's a canary in the coal mine. First little indicator that there might be some Democrats out there who go, you know, maybe Biden doesn't need to debate and maybe he shouldn't debate. And by the way, from where I sit, he definitely should. We've had at least three presidential debates for almost every single uh, cycle for recent years. Uh, You know, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. Uh, I don't think, the like, this debate could go badly for Joe Biden. This debate could also go badly for Donald Trump. Neither one of these guys are the most eloquent guy. And when Tr- Friedman says, I demand fact-checking, boy, I hope, uh, if if they you know, if they really did that and they really applied fact-checking, I think you could do damage to both of them, unless, you know, uh, Tom Friedman really does believe that any, you know, African-American who supports Trump is not actually black. Uh, Joe Biden has his own issues with accuracy of his statements. I recall in a debate a few years ago where he said that you know the United States and the French had kicked Syria out of Lebanon. And uh, Greg, I do you remember the, the time we joined the French to f- get the Syrians out at of at Lebanon? No. It, it, it's like this, it was like he hallucinated a war and everyone just kind of nodded and smiled. And my, my former colleague Jonah Goldberg likes to observe that uh, uh, Joe Biden could say, get these squirrels off of me. And everyone would say, Hmm, deep, it's just instinctive, interesting, mm, thought-provoking, you know. <laughs> Um, So I think this probably won't amount to much. But Friedman saying it is kind of intriguing. And it does. My suspicion is if Friedman is saying it. He's hearing it from other people. And you're starting to hear these kinds of murmurs of, well, you know, look, this debate probably wouldn't go badly for Biden, but it could. Biden seems to be ahead. Even Rasmussen has Biden up by 10 right now. So if you're well ahead, why take risks? we've seen Biden not leave his basement in Delaware for uh, months and months. This seems to be working well for him. If you're doing well, line up in victory formation and just try not to fumble the ball. Lest Herm Edwards grab it and take it all the way back to the end zone. <laughs> Sorry, Giants fans. Um, but that's, you know, this, this is the strategy of the Biden campaign. And each big thing that you do including a debate, is a new variable that could go wrong your way. So if you're winning, why why not stick with what, you know, why not try to keep things as boring and as predictable as possible? I don't think this will come to pass, but I do think it's kind of an interesting indicator that, yes, there are some people who would not be upset if there ended up being no general presidential debates this autumn.
1: It's not just that Biden's ahead. It's that he has a hard time stringing a paragraph together without stumbling all over the place, and that's probably... They're going to be the strongest argument against him if tens of millions of people can see it. It's one thing if it ends up in a clip on social media and a couple hundred thousand see it, most of whom wouldn't vote for him anyway. But if 50 million see it, that's a big deal.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is, is that, look, you know, why, why is Biden doing well? Because right now the election is, is shaping up the way he'd like it to be, which is make it a referendum on Trump. Trump steps in on a regular basis. Trump does things that alienate people who could be on his side. Talked yesterday about the decision to reopen the schools. You know, the way Trump goes about it alienates people who may either partially agree with him or even completely agree with him. If Biden goes out there and looks really shaky, and let's face it, there were some primary debates where he looked okay, and then there were other nights where he really looked, uh, you know, like he'd really lost a bunch of steps. And, you know, it it blew up in Julian Castro's face when he called him out on it, but that's in a Democratic primary from a guy who's at 1% and looks kind of desperate. You know, Joe Biden goes up there and can't remember something. And Trump leans into the, you know, microphone and says, you have Alzheimer's. Um, you know, God knows how, how the public would react to that. Joe Biden, you know, this, the, the concern about Joe Biden being too old for the job and not physically and mentally able to handle the stresses and duties. You know, you don't have to be a right wing maniac to think that. Right. There are there a bunch of Democrats who were looking at him in these debates and, looked, and had their, you know, concerns about them. Biden's really old. And it's not just, you know, age isn't just a, he, he looks really old, He sounds really old his sentences kind of go in these kind of meandering half sentence jumping around here and here. And I'm sure there are listeners to the podcast who are saying, oh, really, Jim, you're someone to make that kind of accusations. But anyway, like I, you could just see a scenario where the debates don't go well for Biden, not you know, a policy issue, but just on the sense that he looks geriatric and Americans start having doubts about it. Do they end up jumping to Trump pile? I don't know. But I, I do, you know, maybe they start looking around third party or Democrats get discouraged. You know, you can see a scenario where this goes badly for Joe Biden. And so I think there are some Democrats who'd just be perfectly happy to skip the debates this year.
1: Well, I think you're right about that. Uh, Joe Biden was floundering until the party rallied around him, of course, to stop socialism. And until the party decided it really was socialist, or at least a bigger chunk than we realized back during the primary season, unless these are all Bernie people out in the streets. Jim, as we transition to our crazy martini here. Among those people who uh, just decided America's not that great, Don Lemon over at CNN. I mean, if Black Lives Matter, the official organization is not paying this guy. uh, He's doing them a lot of work for free. And so one of the things he was doing in his little confabs, I know most people don't watch CNN, but uh, late in the Cuomo show, he kind of does this repartee with Don Lemon because Lemon follows him on the schedule. And uh, so they go back and forth about a number of things. And they were talking about, uh, should the founders uh, be as respected and revered as they have been throughout most of our history? And so Don Lemon decided to inject this. I wish you could see the look on Chris Cuomo's face. It's not often that I feel sorry for Chris Cuomo, but uh, his reaction here is priceless. He didn't say anything in response, but the reaction was still priceless. Take a listen. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ, if you believe in, if, you, if that's who you believe in, Jesus Christ, admittedly was not perfect when he was here on this earth. So why are we deifying the founders of this country, many of whom own slaves? And in the Constitution, the original one, they didn't want, uh, they, they put slavery in there, that, that slavery uh, should, should be abolished because it was the way the king wanted And then the, the Congress said, no way. Jim, there's so much to unpack here. First of all, the fact that Don Lemon and presumably others on the left know so little about what tens and hundreds, perhaps, of millions of Americans believe in terms of their faith is stunning here, even for the left. Uh, the perfection of Christ is a critical part of the whole Christian doctrine. I don't think I need to tell most people that. Uh, and then, of course, as most people have said with the founding fathers, is that nobody said they were perfect. Uh, even they wrestled with uh, slavery, and some of them obviously uh, weren't as aggressive as we probably would have liked them to be. But uh, ultimately, they they saw forward in the Constitution by ending the slave trade and so forth. And so overall, their contributions to the freedom of mankind. Clearly, outweighed their flaws and they're deserving of respect. Nobody ever said they were perfect. Yet, Don Lemon's out here on the far left wing making zero sense whatsoever. You know, Greg, for
0: months now, I've wondered who you would have to be to generate a wow, that guy's dumb look (laughs) on the face of Chris Cuomo. And now we know. (laughs) Secondly, Uh, and I say this as someone who used to appear on CNN. I haven't been invited lately. I don't know if it's because, you know, things I write because of times I've criticized the network or just uh, maybe I'm just not good at this. Um, But I want to, you almost want to say, Jeff Sucker, if you're out there, you've decided that in prime time, the two people that Americans need to hear from, the two people, we have 320 some million Americans out there and you've decided that the two figures that Americans need to, get some perspective from, get some words of wisdom to absorb all the knowledge and judgment are Chris Cuomo (laughs) and and Don Lemon. like These are the two you've managed to pick. You gotta figure that had to be the absolute scraping the bottom of the barrel. Um, But I'll make another observation, which is that a couple couple years ago, I got a chance to probably a lot of years ago, I got a chance to watch a taping of The Five over on Fox News Channel. And maybe you love The Five, maybe you don't. Um, but I, one of the things I noticed, right, I got to hang out with Dana Perino, who was very kind enough to invite me in. Uh, hung out with Greg Gutfeld a little bit, and then there are other folks who I didn't know as well and didn't get a chance to uh, chat with much. But Gutfeld and Perino, whatever other flaws do you think they have, they were checking their phones, their websites, everything. But when they went out at Five, that's why they call it The Five, they wanted to be there everything they were saying to be as up-to-date to the millisecond um they did not want to go out and say something that had been you know overtaken by events you know one hour before airtime or something like that i was kind of struck by the you know people might say oh you, know, you go on tv and you talk and these guys no, they took their job seriously not everyone there had that approach and in the taping that i watched one of the panelists the left of center one which of now you've got narrowed it down to a uh, <laughs> a limited list of suspects um said something that had been true two days ago and that the one day ago had been overtaken by events. The subsequent reporting had said that was not accurate. This subsequent reporting had completely missed this particular left-of-center pundit. Now, you know, I don't do, you know, I'm not mentioning this to dunk on them, but just to observe, like you could be good at television, you could be bad at television. And one of the ways to be good on television is to take your job seriously and to, you know, try to stay up on this sort of thing. I imagine hosting a primetime television show like Don Lemon and Chris do. I imagine that's a lot of work it's really tough you got to line up your interviews you gotta, it is probably it probably doesn't leave a lot of time to read it probably doesn't leave a lot leave a lot of time to um, broaden your base of knowledge about the world so all these people they look very distinguished they look on camera they speak very clearly they enunciate they you know, but sometimes they will say things that are astonishingly stupid. And you sit there and you're thinking, like, how does Don Lemon not understand the tenets of Christianity this way? This is well, this is where we are. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that people whose jobs are to be on television every day have a tough time uh, broadening their base of knowledge to be able to speak intelligently about a wide range of topics. And their jobs don't allow them to say... Uh, you know, Chris Cuomo, uh, you know, Don Lemon, what do you think of what these Christians are saying? Don Lemon doesn't have the option of saying, you know, I don't have enough, you know, familiarity with the doctrine to really make an intelligent judgment here. You never hear somebody saying that on television. I think I've heard, you know, a story from somebody else who said, uh, they answered a question with, I don't know. And the producer was screaming in their earpiece to never answer the question, I don't know again. Now, maybe that makes for bad television, but that happens to be someone not knowing. And there's this idea Within certain circles of cable news who believe that someone admitting that they don't know the answer to a question is a problem and should be discouraged as possible. And it's better to just wing it and hope that what you said was true. And if you're wondering why cable news television is not always reliable, Greg, I think that philosophy has a lot to do with it.
1: I think it does. It's also worth pointing out that CNN's ratings are far worse than the other two major cable news networks, and I think
0: we've stumbled onto
1: many reasons over recent months and years. Yeah. And I decades. believe
0: that those uh, uh, the ratings disappeared into the black hole that Don Lemon thought that the uh, Malaysian airliner had <laughs> slipped into.
1: Oh, those are the days. I would, I would go back to obsessive Malaysian Air coverage over what we've got now from CNN. <laughs> but that was ludicrous at the time. They've only spiraled downwards ever since. Jim, good to talk to you as always. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to protect your online activity today with ExpressVPN. Get it at expressvpn.com slash martini and you'll get that extra three months free by going to that link. Also, subscribe to the podcast. Please leave us a kind review with five stars. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch podcast. And please, please join us again on Friday for the next 3 Martini Lunch.